And here we are with Mr. Teddy Stringer himself. How are you holding up, my friend? How's training going? Good, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, ticking along, just kind of doing bits and bobs and, yeah, looking after myself. Before we even get started, I was noticed the cauliflower and you managed to just about get a headphone in there. I'm impressed with that. Like, yeah, when you was, first go on, let's have a look. It, yeah, here it is. It just, the headphone just popped out literally two seconds before you said that. Uh, it's a challenge. It kind of just about wedges in. I mean, so like my colleagues are like just the top bit. The thing is, you've got like the inner bit as well. So for everyone listening who hasn't got colleagues, they're just the worst thing ever. When they get soldered, then they're all right. But good grief, they're fucking all right. Yeah. When you, when you first get them done and it's like just sleeping's painful and it's all tender. Like I've, I consider myself a bit of a veteran of cauliflower ears now. Like I've, I've been to doctor's surgeries and they've tried to drain it for me. Like, one person sent me to hospital and they fucking cut it open once. And then I, I just ended up that the best decision is to drain it myself. So now I just bang a needle and drain it myself whenever it gives me issues, but still they're, they're pretty fucked up. Everyone listening, don't drain your own ears. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be liable for that. I don't want any extra <laughs> tennis. You do what you want. Yeah. You, you're not responsible for your tennis. <laughs> your yeah, to, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not the best idea. There we go. We've got, to, got to keep ourselves, you know, not too liable. But yeah, with yeah. with that, I remember when I got which one was it? My left collie got drained once, iced, compressed, stayed fine. The right collie, I got it drained, I think three or four times. Ended up getting packed and wrapped like a Mister Fucking Bump walking around like a big bandage on my head. Yeah. And this is sort of a happy medium, I think. But yeah, how soon yeah. in your trend did you get it? Was it like early on or? Wow. Um, quite early on. Uh, probably like about a year into it when I started getting serious. And like, like you say, having your head wrapped up, I remember I was in sixth form still and I went to school one day with my head all wrapped up and everyone was looking at me like, who's this dickhead with this big bandage around his head and whatever. But it's um, it's kind of part of the sport, isn't it? And now people say, oh yeah, it doesn't look that bad, but it, it's one of those things that you just got to style it off. It's part of the sport. And in a few years, they'll say, oh, it's a badge of honour and all of that stuff. You get asked if you play rugby? No, surprisingly not. I think people just don't comment on it. They're like, is this guy got some deformity? Or something? Right, don't, don't stare. Yeah, I've not exactly got the stature of a rugby player. I'm a small guy. You could be in a wing, I don't know. Be all right. Yeah. But, <laughs> moving on swiftly. Regards yeah. of like general sort of training structures and formats, things like that. Obviously, the sort of years you've been in the sport, what have you found you've sort of had to cut out? What is your priority now? So say you have a fight camp coming up. What is your bare bones stuff you focus on as in like your sparring sprints, that kind of stuff. What do you feel is your actual stuff you'll stick with versus stuff? Yeah, I think um, like everything considered sport specific stuff is the most important stuff. So obviously you grappling, you striking that that's the, the main focus of any fight camp. And if people are, I saw Darren Till put a post up um, a while back, which was great. It was like, if you're picking to go to a strength and conditioning session over a pad session, then you're an idiot because it's, it's the sport, isn't it? You need to get better and you can push your fitness and work your strength through those things. So um, I, I still, it's not like I don't do any strength and conditioning, but I try and work everything to be specific. But my camp is 60% grappling, 30% striking and then the last 10 percent is just strength and conditioning stuff it definitely makes sense that sort of order as well because when it comes to the 
push comes to shove because you know yourself from training if you've got a gas tank from doing all your laps if you're getting mangled yeah. by some black belt your cardio is non-existent and again it's a lot less yeah. tiring on the top positions and one thing i was really impressed with when i sparred with you was the way you mix up your striking and your wrestling because again when people get caught out on certain things they either do their striking or the wrestling individually really nicely but it's that kind of transition to the shoot box and stuff but how have you sort of developed mm. that over time is that something that's come quite naturally is it something you've always emphasized how have you managed to sort of develop that um I, I think in terms of like the thing that a lot of people say about me is my, my best thing is my timing of takedowns and stuff so a lot of the time when when people are striking with me that's when I shoot for takedown. So in like pure wrestling, I might be very average, but when it's wrestling with striking, I kind of start to come into my own um, and time it. But I think um, a lot of that's Wayne at fourth dimension. He um, gets on at me and he says like, if you are sparring with the MMA guys, because when on the mats, we have some K1 striking guys and then we have some MMA guys. And he's every round I'm doing with an MMA guy, he's forcing me to look for a takedown. And, and that's something that I've just drilled into my head because I can stand and do my striking when I'm with the striking guys, but I may as well focus on game planning those takedowns in throughout again, my rounds. Again, that's the fight IQ though, isn't it? Because again, it's all well and good winning. This is the whole Max Holloway, Calvin Cater thing. Calvin Cater, sorry. So why would you yeah. want to be the best boxer in the UFC when you could be the best MMA fighter in the UFC? Yeah. <laughs> but why yeah, you sat there like tra- trading for five rounds where you could take him down and you know, not lose and not get brain damage? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be yeah, the that's... best striker, do striking. <laughs> yeah, that's something I see in the UFC a lot is like just a lot of people are so striking focused in fights. And I mean, obviously everyone at that level has high takedown defense and stuff, but I think the best really do just mix it up constantly. And uh, like a lot of debut guys in the UFC and stuff, and they just kind of get coached into like a striking war. And I think, it's MMA at the end of the day. You've got to mix everything up and that's where you get the best fighters. Oh, definitely. This is where I, I like to see where your career is going to go with this. Because again, that kind of mentality and having the open-mindedness, not the bias of, I've got this background, ego, I'm always going to do this. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I'm a striker. I do this. That's why I like yeah. seeing the way you're sort of mixing that up. And now with these rounds in themselves, because again, going to the, the fourth dimension sessions, again, some people like yourself are quite nice to spar with. They, you know, you can learn, you can get a lot of development. Some guys, you know, if you want to fight, you need to have sort of pressure testing. That's, yeah. the, way, that's the PC way of saying it, I think. How would you find yeah. getting these rounds in throughout fight camps and training and keeping longevity? Because again, you know, it's miles on the clock at the end of the day. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of people say that. They watch uh, Spar Wars, which like, I know, and they see the rounds there and it's hard rounds there, but it's kind of, a lot of stuff's coming to the gloves and it's smart sparring and, it, it kind of looks good for the camera, yeah. but it's not always hard sparring um, like that. And I, I'm pretty much there every week sparring, um, but I just kind of moderate my intensity, whether it's fight camp or or not, because obviously you have a certain amount of shots that you can take. So I'm not trying to go balls to the wall every round, but so there's some guys there. Like I remember the first time I ever went to Fourth Dimension and did my first sparring session there. I got dropped with a body shot and then Amari's low kicks. And I was just thinking, yeah, this, uh, this is the place I need to be to improve. And so it was almost like that first, um, just like initiation into there. And then I've kind of got into there and we, we moderate our rounds. I mean, this is kind of it for anyone who's not familiar with Amari. Go on, um, I think his or Jordan's Instagram. There's a bit of there, like, I think it's going to be flow sparring, but it really isn't. <laughs> They're just sort of like whacking yeah. the shit out of each other. It's quality stuff, but God, it's ter- terrifying. Yeah. 
that right. that little clip's amazing. Just taking shots and firing them back even harder. It's sick that. That's why Jordan's gonna be world champion on Saturday. That's another conversation. That's another thing. And it's oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. We're saying it on this podcast so everyone can come back and and look at us as the prediction gods. We've been saying it for a while. We've been saying it since he's beaten us up for ages. Again, he's one of those yeah. ones. But anyway, we'll, we'll get Jordan on another time. This is your 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 time to share. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to your sparring in itself, is it always being scored internally? Is it saying, okay, did I win and lose that round? Is it certain exchanges you're trying to win? How do you get the most out of your sparring? Um, I'd love to say that I'm kind of thinking about it all the time and thinking, oh, I'm trying to score this, that and the other, but... It, it depends from round to round. Sometimes um, it's very much the drive home from sparring. I, I analyze it a lot and think, God, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And then it's I try and kind of, yeah, <laughs> I try and come back the next week with a, a list of things in my head that I want to correct and put through. So in terms of breaking it down in the round, it's um, trying to mix things up, trying to just kind of, if I'm winning here, stay there. If I'm not winning there, look for some different things, just trying to figure out things in the rounds. But there's there's no specific things going on in my head. It's more uh, reflective when I get to that sort of stuff. Drive home. Well, the drive home's normally quite long after, you know, these kind of sessions. Like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, just music. No music playing, silent, drive home. <laughs> your legs bruised, you can't get your foot off a clutch. It's just like, mm. you know what, my trap, everything's just gone. <laughs> like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to cry. I should do football yeah. or something nice. Fuck this. Royally. Yeah. Now, do you really the... contemplate things? <laughs> so you're like, you know what, is this for me? And all the rest of it. But again, that introspective, that's another thing for a bit later on. But when it mm. comes to the grappling, the no-gi, and do you do gi as well? Um, yeah, I, I did do gi, uh, when, whenever we had like a gi class on, I do gi, um, I'm blue belt in the gi, but I've, I've not done any gi for about a year now. I've done, I think I've done one gi session this, this year. So with all your sort of rounds with that and jujitsu, do you roll with MMA in mind of trying to stay on top always? Is it just jujitsu for jujitsu sake and having fun with it? How do you like to have those rounds? Um, with that, it's pretty much I spar jujitsu twice a week um like hard jujitsu rounds um and it's more just jujitsu for jujitsu's sake in those particular sessions just kind of bit of everything and then if I've got a fight coming up um like six weeks before I might just stick um small gloves on for those rounds and kind of put strikes in um but I, I really do just and um, for the most part, do jujitsu rounds when it's jujitsu because mm. it obviously I'm not trying to create the best guard game. That's not going to be something effective, but all the tools have a place that you can kind of put in whenever. It's just remembering that when those four ounce gloves or six ounce gloves go on, it's it's not jujitsu time. Well, that's a huge point, and this is why I wanted to sort of highlight this sort of side of things because again, you get the spectrum of this. You get jujitsu people who go into MMA. And they get taken down. They're like, oh, sick, we got my guard now. And then they lose a yeah. decision because they've been on the back for, for three rounds. But in the same breath, they also the same people who get these submissions. But there's also application. And regards mm. of your MMA application for grappling, and I say grappling specifically, not just jiu-jitsu, where does that come from? Is that a separate session or is that part of the same jiu-jitsu session? Um, it's, it's a bit of everything, you know. I'm, I'm always kind of putting a little bit of MMA. Folk. I think my game's just developed into that, but 
Um, I, I do things quite separately. I have like wrestling sessions, I have jujitsu sessions, and then I have rounds with small gloves on. So I'm always getting um, like a little taste of MMA in those sessions. But I think it just in my head, I put things together and it kind of creates one MMA grappling game. Well, definitely. Again, you have to sort of have those elements and the understanding of the concepts so then know where they work and where they don't. Because this is yeah. something at least personally I have to appreciate is you, you start the the journey of cliches or you like work. You start you learn techniques individually, then you start putting them together and you realize, okay, it's not A, B to C. It's okay. A needs that to work. B needs that to work. So I can do that. No problem. It's not, you don't have to label these things. And it gets a lot yeah. less is more. Now, regards of like your, I don't know, with your MMA spars, because again, when we initially spoke about this, it was striking with shoot boxing. With your MMA mm. spars, do you have your rules of thumb for how you want to spar in the sense of controlling certain areas or implement certain game plans? Yeah. Um, again, it, it's often fight specific. So if I'm fighting a striker or like my last fight, for example, the guy had a bit more of a karate stance. So there was a few things in my head. It was low kicks takedowns they were they were my focus in that camp but I'm always just trying to kind of pick what the areas I need to focus on improving it so I'll always analyze my opponent and then just kind of envisage they are the person in front of me so um when when I'm doing my MMA spars I kind of just like to think about the game plan that I'll have in my future fight and put that through every round Um, so that's normally how I work it yeah are you getting your opponent, your, sorry, your aspiring partners to emulate that style intentionally or is it just whatever they're doing, you try and implement it? Um, sometimes um, I'm never really like getting people to do it. Sometimes we'll do specific drills and stuff. Um, but in terms of sparring, I just kind of um, get them to spar how they would and I just kind of I, I put that game plan on everyone. There's, there's a lot of guys that I'll, I'll put the game plan on and it doesn't work, but I'm just kind of drilling that into muscle memory that when shit hits the fan, that is what I'm going to go for because that's what I've done throughout all my rounds. Um, so, yeah. With that then, so obviously having such a fight focus on what's happening, because again, you're preparing for a specific opponent, trying to emulate that, trying to practice what you're going to do. How do you feel when you have, like you said there, people who stuff it, people that it doesn't work on them? Is it quite an internal sort of frustration, quite demoralizing? Do you let it off like it's nothing? It's nothing? How do you find the quote-unquote failures in training yeah um I, d- I don't take it to heart too much because i know that's a training partner they're pushing me that's that's not the fight it's i've got my three rounds or my five rounds fight night that i've got to perform and and what happens in the build-up to that whether it's learning whether i'm winning in the rounds whether i'm losing or just as long as i'm getting better i'm improving and getting ready for the fight doesn't really bother me so um, th- there's rounds like I'll have rounds with Madders, you know, Madders yeah. of Fourth Dimension. And if I want to put my game plan on him, it just it doesn't work. I've got to spar different against him to survive. Um, otherwise, I'll just get peppered with volume. So there's all, all different kind of things. And you can't put one game plan on everyone. But it's just where when you do lose and it doesn't work, just not letting it get to your head. I like that a lot because, again, it- as much as you're saying that very straightforward, it, sometimes it's not quite as easy as that. It's like, okay, I know I shouldn't no. pressure myself, but, you know, I am fighting in X amount of weeks and I'm, you know, trying not to shit myself. But here mm. we are. And when it comes to, like, the fight build-up and all these things getting booked, how are you, like, internally with it? Is it quite an exciting thing for you? Is it quite a nerve-wracking thing? How do you find just the mental side of the build-up for a fight? 
Oh, I, I love it. I'm kind of one of those people who, as soon as my fight ends, I'm looking to get another one booked. It's just adds a little bit of structure to things, you know, having, okay, I'm fighting March the 10th or whatever. And then the next six weeks are just building up to that date. Um, so it, it's nice to have a little bit of structure for me. I, I thrive on that. I kind of know, well, why am I eating healthy? I'm eating healthy because I need to make weight. Why am I training hard? I'm training hard because I need to beat this guy. So having a date and a fight camp and having that pressure is what I like. It just makes everything seem worthwhile. Oh, 100%. Because again, if you go on just face value, would I rather have my meal prep I've made last night really reluctantly or would I rather have his like Subway? Well, obviously yeah. Subway, but would I rather win my well, fight yeah, on Subway? That, so. <laughs> I think I'd rather not lose my fight. But okay. Because that's the thing in itself. A lot of people do. Exactly. It's, it's not that they want to win their fight. They just don't want to lose it. And that's a big difference. It's fucking scary. Like, regards of what drives you to do well in the sport, like fight by fight, is it overall career trajectory for you? Is it just a fight by fight progression? Like, what is it that gets you to that dance every single time? Yeah. Um, I, I have lots of little goals and lots of long term goals in it as well that kind of drive me. Like, obviously, long-term goals for pretty much everyone in the sport is to get to the USC. That's if, if you're training seriously and competing, that's a long-term goal for me. Um, but obviously if I'm going into every fight now, at amateur thinking, right, win this and building towards getting to the UFC, that's crazy. It's having little ones. So like um, in terms of the amateur rankings and stuff at the moment, I want to be number one on there. That's something I want to do before I move on to my pro career. So every fight I'm like, well, I beat this guy, then I go up. So it's little things that I just set in my head that kind of build up my stock between fights. And again, I love his answers because again, it's not, it's the overall <laughs> collective goal, but again, it's the little steps to get to these little, yeah, I like that a lot. And I think, I think the rankings and progression is very ambiguous in itself, but again, it's kind of controlled to an extent. I like that. So when it comes to, there's a, there's a few things with this like the day itself the fight day when it comes to these plans everything else going on how are you with the composure side of it because again as much as you are confident in your abilities again it's the the awareness of the situation again you've had many a fight you know what's what they're like, like mm. how do you find the walk out to the fight again keeping your head in a sort of i don't know good headspace yeah i think it's well it is easy to lose your head um and like I'd be lying if I said that I don't have like things pop into my head and whatever. But in in terms of fight day, I'm I'm very like calm and collected, and I kind of rise up a little bit as if it's like a performance for me. Because like we talked about the whole preparation and doing all everything, all the sacrifices off after that day. So whether I win, lose, draw, it it's about having the right attitude and enjoying it. So if I'm there nervous, twiddling my thumbs, I'm not going to enjoy the process. So I always try and just kind of like kind of put a little bit of swagger on, enjoy the moment, go around, talk to the people, have a bit of fun. Like I'll, it, whenever I see my opponent, I'll like wind them up a little bit, like give them a nudge, have a chat to them before the fight, just anything because it's having a little bit of fun uh, in the process. But still, as soon as we start the warm up, the walkout, then it becomes very serious because there's that fear of losing. I don't want to lose. I don't want to have made all these sacrifices to lose. So it's all about having fun, but then just switching it on that 10 minutes before the fight. Right, it's go time. 
because again it's it's that balance it's that bit at the end where it's like okay yes we're having fun yes we're enjoying the moment yes we're enjoying everything we put in but again it's okay i didn't yeah. do this for fun i do this because i need to do the, what is it the task at hand right now and regards to finding your feet with that because again this is all very much tried and tested to get to where you are now mentally like early days have you always had that kind of composure has it been a bit of a <laughs> an overwhelming sort of thing um yeah i think like in my debut i was just very calm and all of that but i think that might have been just because i didn't know what was happening i was just like oh just this 17 18 year old kid just like oh what's happening here just I didn't know that it was something I was supposed to get nervous for or whatever. And I think that kind of helps. And then from then I've just realized, Oh, well I didn't get nervous that time and I won. So let's just keep that same process going. So it was almost that naive factor at the start. That's kind of led to me just keeping this cool, calm head on everything. Should I get nervous for this? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, am I supposed to get nervous? Does everyone else look nervous? Like asking my coaches really. Well, I'm, I think my second fight, I'm warming up and we're in the corner. It's um, Jordan, his girlfriend, and a few other people. And his girlfriend says to me, what are you getting nervous for? Like, sincerely. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great idea. I should probably start getting nervous then, like, shouldn't oh, I? Yeah. Oh, I'm the dickhead, aren't I? Why am I getting nervous for a, for a cage fight? <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. The fact I got knocked out 30 seconds later after that is not the point. <laughs> but yeah, I said, that's why I was nervous. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> completely it. logical completely logical but when it comes to the result because again obviously you've had your wins obviously you had your moments where you've had um been caught and stuff how would you find yeah. post result to the next fight do you linger on the result at all do you revel in the wins and wallow in the defeats do you just move on straight away how do you find moving on yeah you, you can't after a win it's complete ecstasy like you're always going we we always um, like go out to a club, celebrate after, have a bit of fun. And uh, I'm stood there in the middle of the club, like clenching my fists, like, yeah. yes. It just like keeps dripping through that feeling of victory after for a few days. And then by the time Monday morning comes, you you start to just, oh, right, that's happened back to earth. But w- with a loss, it's very different in the fact that everything plays in your head of, oh, why didn't I do that, 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 and just very frustrating and, you, you you can't sweep a loss under the carpet like that. And I think if you can, then that's not necessarily a strength. I think you've got to be very frustrated about losses, pick it apart a lot and just kind of completely learn from it and understand from it. And I know it's very cliche, oh, win or learn. But if you, if you lose and you don't grow from it, then it's a complete waste of a loss. But if you lose, you grow from it and you kind of just learn from it, then it's worthwhile having that fight but still after a loss like you'll wake up in the middle of the night go for a win you'll be like fuck why did i lose that fight and it'll just keep that feeling will be there constantly for about a week or so only a week (laughs) well a a week or so that's me me being modest there I was gonna say, is this is i'm still stinging a little bit it's all good but here we (laughs) are but but this is where this gets a bit more raw and a bit more honest because again this is something that's so personal because again as much as we're saying oh yeah you would where your record now these those individual fights these are just numbers they don't mean that much until you break it down mm-hmm. what that was they're individual camps it's different stages of your life and where you managed to deal with these things and yeah i don't know it's very hard to really give it that true value especially on like just when it comes to numbers i like, always oh, win or a loss and no it's not it's the whole camp it's the whole experience it's who you were at that point 
and I'm yeah. happy to appreciate that. And when it comes to coming back from the loss or come back to the win as such, do you feel that bleeds onto your following performance in the gym? For example, like you come back with a win, there's an X in your back, you come back from a loss, you need to fix that mistake straight away or preempt, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think your past performance does kind of affect your next one um, quite a lot. If you look at my past two fights, uh, two fights ago, I fought Mark Ewan and um, I got stopped in the first round. First time I ever got stopped, caught with a body shot. Hmm. Um, and, and that really kind of annoyed me because I didn't get to perform and do anything. And with the way things were with, with COVID and everything, um, actually getting a fight was ages. So it was August to November. So it wasn't like I could turn around and fight a month later. So it was like three months later. Um, and when I got that fight, I was just fueled off that loss. That, that win was completely fueled off that loss and also fueled off the fear of, I don't want to lose two fights in a row. A two fight losing skid or anything, any sort of losing skids, not good. You always want to be in that win column and kind of keep the momentum going. So that that last fight is a great example of how coming off a loss, it just fueled me all fight camp thinking, I do not want two losses in a row. Now, this is going to sound really stupid and try not to laugh just yet. Why right. is it you don't want to lose? in the sense of, again, you mentioned their performance was the main thing there. Like, how do you find the build-up? Is it more a fear of not performing or is it more a fear of not getting the result to then affect your career further down the line? Um, a mix of both. Um, obviously, wins kind of boost your stock and help you build up to where I want to be in the future. Uh, but also that performance aspect, um, I don't want to just go in there and, and watch that fight back and think that's not me in the gym. But I think the big thing is I'm, I'm very competitive. So when I lose, it annoys me so much. And I kind of, I, I know I can do better than that. So uh, for me, the reason why a loss gets to me so much is just that competitive nature deep in me. As soon as I lose, I kind of want rematch. Let's go rematch. I can beat you. I know I can. Um, so I'm very much like, whether it's playing a board game or having a fight, I'm very much, let's go again. Let me win. Let me win. Um, so that's probably why losses mean quite a bit to me. It, and not all the obvious stuff yeah, yeah. alongside that. Yeah. So I make it a bit clearer. Not just, why don't you want to lose? Well, why would yeah. you want to lose? You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I had to try and make it a bit clearer what I meant, but yeah, that's good. That's what yeah. I can't. When it comes to what you're saying there about being competitive again, being emotionally invested, Again, strength mm. to strength to strength. The fact you give a shit is the reason you're doing what you do. Like, put it this way. Yeah. How many people would actually bother going to the to fourth dimension and sparring with people? Full stop. Let alone for a fight or whatever else. Fuck that. It's I'd rather yeah. stay at home, do fuck all. Exactly. That's that's <laughs> it's much nicer. It's like um I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast the other the other week and they were saying like everyone's focused on this kind of um, like being happy, that being the meaning of life. But I don't think you can truly be happy without some suffering in there. So those sessions at fourth dimension, they're my suffering and horrible times and all the training, all the boring, bland food. That's the suffering that can get me to that, those happy points, those wins and stuff. And they feel so much better than being constantly happy and oh, I'm sat in front of the TV in this cake. This is great. I'm happy. Are you? Or does that true feeling of happiness come from all the sacrifice, all the shit, then you reach that high? Are you ready so, for a rabbit hole? 
This is gonna be, <laughs> that's a rabbit hole there. This is, this is going to be a, a big thing, so let's get comfy. Um, there's a whole thing. Have you read um, Happy by Darren Brown? No. Oh, so very, I like it a lot because when it comes to this sort of side of stuff, I'm very matter of fact. Like if you mention healing crystals, I'll tell you the fuck off. I think it's just nonsense. It's very yeah. much, okay, what cut and dry? And this whole thing of pursuit is happiness, that sort of thing that the fact you're having to struggle gives it value in the sense of if you didn't train for your fight, all you did was maybe go to the, the actual like weights gym, doing some running, and you show up and you just really like, choke someone just out of what you've really done. You wouldn't yeah. give a shit about that. But, oh, I did it. So, But the fact you know you're fucking everything like put it this way when you've had the camp from hell you grind and you fucking beaten up you got like a headache during work you then end up getting you underperform don't show up that stings that stings the fact you're better than that person's irrelevant it stings you didn't get to show that value because you put that work in it's the whole thing that if you're it's a carl jung thing a tree can never grow to the heights of heaven if the roots are going to hell if you're not been through the worst, like that. the worst possible situation you can't appreciate the best good like again if you've not lost the win is completely irrelevant you hear people who win all the time and then they lose and they just don't know what to do with themselves versus people who start off losing and then when they win fuck me it means the world and ultimately yeah. like nothing has meaning full stop like you know whether or not you train as a professional athlete your life is committed to this or you just smoke weed all day and you don't do anything they have equal amount of meaning, absolutely nothing. Yeah. The fact you're then doing it without the obligation gives it that value. And I mean by that, like you say, like when kids go to school, we don't give them the pat on the back for doing a good job because they have to go. There's no, there's no, yeah. there's no effort put, put in there. But for you working and then training and then doing the rest of it, no one's asked you to do that. No one's making you do that. The fact you've done it on your own accord without any kind of prompt is why that means so fucking much. And when, after you come back from a win on an Ami fight and like people at work are like, all right, cool. And that doesn't mean anything to them. That's completely spot on because they don't know it and they haven't earned the right to know it. And you, the one who it matters, the value, the value is all from you because you've given it that because you know what you've put into that. You see what I mean? Yeah. I 100% agree with you there. It's like, I mean, I like all the philo- philosophical things you added into that. It's be a while. <laughs> that, that, that's my perspective um, in terms of it's, it is that struggle. It's, it's all the crap you go through. Like it's the journey. They, they always say it's the journey, not mm. the dream. When, when you're at the top looking down, you're thinking it was those days when I was working towards that goal that really counted. So yeah. it's, that, that's why I suppose after a loss as well, when, when you put in all that work, all that, crap you're down into hell and you're working so hard and then you're losing you don't get that spike of happiness and and the endorphins of winning then it kind of fuels you even more because you've got a whole six-week camp without any joy at the end of it then another six-week camp and then when you get that win that's when the joy comes and it hits differently so um yeah i 100 agree with you on all that and again when it comes like your mindset We'll be a while on this. We get comfy, and when it comes to like <laughs> happiness as a thing, people say it as like a you either have it or you don't. But again, it's a byproduct. Like it's more so your actions and your lifestyle and everything else, because you're giving that meaning to your life. You're assigning that responsibility to what you're doing. Happiness and fulfillment is a byproduct. You're not going to be collectively always happy because if you don't get sad any any time, there's no happiness. There's no reference point. That's just your base. But again, it's, yeah. it's the overall fulfillment. This is sort of the point. Like you can get 
when it comes to sort of mental health and this kind of thing, I always use like hunger as like an analogy. If you rebrand it as hunger, like if you eat sweets, you'll be happy, really happy, but then really quickly you'll feel really shit, really, really shit. But again, yeah. it's more the quality of what you're putting in and then managing it and balancing it. If you're expecting to be happy and over the moon all the time, I don't know what you're smoking, but I want some of that, but that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much so, okay, you need to understand the the meat and the veg of life and then you start getting the, the sweets every now and then the balance of the whole thing. It's a bigger, bigger picture. People think, okay, what I want to do, what I, I want to be happy. What does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> mm. You want, you put it this way. Do you dread a Monday? Do you look forward to a Friday? And the answer is going to be no, because you love what you do. You see what yeah. I mean? Literally yeah, that. Yeah. Literally. Well, I, 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 I dread almost every day. Um, exactly. But that's, it's, <laughs> that's a but then, <laughs> But I, I, I look forward to, to when that day ends. And I'm like, well, I've done all that good work. That's in the bag. I've, I've suffered for today. And I get to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. Um, but yeah, you, you can't be constantly happy. And, and I don't think you can truly be happy without something that you're working towards as an end goal. So for me, that's fighting in the UFC. That's achieving big things in my career. But for someone else, it can be completely different. As long as you're working towards something, then I think you've got meaning to your life. Again, it's, when we say this as well, where to really highlight this is it's the depth of that happiness. Not so much the amount, but the depth of it. So again, if you, I say, for example, they're eating sweets, you're, you're happy in that moment there. It's very th- flimsy. It's very shallow. Yeah. It's gone. You know the effort and time you put into that camp. You know what it takes to get make weight. You know the feeling of achieving what you've achieved. Even like on reflection, like take your debut fight, for example, winning that, full stop. Then this is something I urge a lot of people to start doing. It's a wonderful thing take time to reflect and really relive that moment in yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. I don't have to reshare all the posts and stuff, but internally, like, you know what? I fucking smashed that. I fucking did mm. that. I don't care if that's not me now. I did that. I put my time in that. I fucking, you know, hype yourself up. Cause again, yeah, fuck that royally. Like I train as well. I try to do all this sort of stuff. I fucking, you know, I know it's fucking horrible, but you know, yeah. you give yourself a pat on the back. You know, I did that. I went to that spar. I was nervous about. I spar with the people I was scared to spar with. I did it. Give yeah. yourself a pat on the back, man. Like people don't do it enough. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Sometimes you have got to kind of, you don't want to blow your own trumpet, but sometimes you have got to kind of look back at the things you've done and think I've done that and then enjoy the moment, stop, smell the roses and then get back to it. Oh, definitely. Cause again, where to really make more sense of that. It's not like an out loud thing. Like, look how good I am. It's more of an internal sort of, cause when you speak yeah. out loud, it's a very English thing of, being self-deprecating because apparently it's polite. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Why is saying your shit a good thing? I don't get it. You can downplay yeah. things, you can do whatever else, but again, internally, be your biggest fan, be your, the man. Because again, if you say to yourself, you're a bit shit, you know, take the edge off a little bit. No, why would you say that to yourself? Why, why no. would you, you say, do you know what, you're the fucking champ. You're the one who's doing all this stuff. I think that's a quality that a lot of fighters need as well. You've kind of, you, you can be humble, you can project that all outside, but inside you've got to think, I'm the fucking man. Because mm. that, that's what it takes to get in there and do that. So you need to have that that confidence and belief inside you. And then whether you choose to project that and look like a bit of an arsehole, that's up to you. But if you just kind of just keep it in your head as a, as a backburning thing, then that that's always good in my opinion. Well, put it this way, a, a very... <laughs> I call it a bit of a stupid analogy. I think it's quite funny. How much of a shit could you beat out of your debut self? 
your debut uh, fight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd fucking ragdoll him. And that's sort of the point. It's like, if I didn't believe in myself to what I've done and put what I've done in, I'd still be that guy getting fucking murdered by me right now. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, you, you think you're the shit when you make your debut and you think you're great. But then, like, when I look at where I am now in comparison, I'm like, oh, God, I was just an idiot, man. I thought I was good. But you need that inside you all the time to just kind of keep growing and, and have that confidence to go out there and actually have a fight, etc. So, um, yeah, it, it, that is something that I play in my head all the time. I'd be like, I wish I could roll or spar with myself like of last year's version of me or two weeks ago's version of me and kind of see how I get on because I think I'd smash them all now. <laughs> but this is sort of the point, like to sort of not parody as such, but again, there's a, there's a concept with this I absolutely love. And I hate how much I love it, which is if you're not embarrassed by who you were a year ago, you've wasted a year. You haven't grown enough. And that sort of thing. It's like, yeah. The fact I cringe is like, yeah, it's a good thing, but oh. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but, you know, you need to remember it's a good thing when you're seeing it. Like, oh, it's not me, but, you know, oh, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah, these things I like are- that. These things are very, when it comes to freely quotes and like live, laugh, love, bollocks you see on Instagram, they're very nice mm. as just words. But if you really start to appreciate what these words actually mean, you can get so much more from them. And again, this is why the whole depth comes into what we said about earlier. Put it this way. If I, if I don't know, Joe blogs down the pub, tells you to hit pads for a fight because that's what's going to make the big difference. You're like, I don't give a shit what you say. Whereas someone like yourself or like other like seasons like Amis or pros say something like that. You're like, okay, shit. He knows what he's on about. The words are the same, but where it's come from, what that really meant is where the value really is. And again, that's mm. the difference between these freely free quotes and actually getting the, the substance out of them. And again, like, this is what I know right now. A year's time, I might cringe at this. Hopefully I will. Hopefully I'll be able to be able to develop from this. But again, yeah. this is sort of the point is being able to give yourself that vulnerability. And this is something I put up um, yesterday when a conversation with Josh Neal about putting yourself on that platform is a huge step like full stop i mean as much as like you know we said now how you're composed you're competing it's not that much of a big deal as such you know you, you just do it. it's a done thing it's mm. a fucking horrible thing it's a hard thing it's a very honest thing like put it this way if i told you your next fight could be the difference between your career getting it or not you'd say fuck okay that's a big deal because yeah ultimately it is like imagine putting your dream your ambition something you've worked your whole life on here is a roulette wheel there is a chance if your number doesn't come in, your dream's gone. Yeah. You, you fucking, you, okay. Yeah, and that that's kind of, a, a lot of the times, fights will be that without you even knowing. If you look at, if you look back at some people's careers, some fights that might not seem in the build-up, so career-defining end up being career-defining fights. So you, that's why you've got to approach every fight like it is. Definitely. And this is why I respect this sort of mindset and what these words really mean. Because again, as much as very humble, very modest, the way you're answering these things, it's what's gone into it. This is what I'm trying to highlight. This is, you are the kind of person I'm trying to get on this podcast. It's the people who do the work and don't make a fuss about it. And this is where yeah. they need the fuss about it. They need, they need me to make the fuss out of it for them. Because again, you ain't going to do it yourself. I've got to do it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that is very much me to a degree. Like I have to I have to remind myself to post on Instagram sometimes just to so people know I exist. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just very much I like cracking down, doing the work. And I, I'd, I'd be doing this if it wasn't on social media, if it wasn't 
on TV if these fights were nowhere and no one knew, none of my family, none of my friends knew about the fights, the training I'd be doing. I do this purely because it's what I love to do. So, so whether I'm getting noticed, I'm getting attention for it, great, but that's completely not any of my reasoning for doing it. Definitely. Are you familiar with um, Marcus Aurelius's book Meditations? No. If you've ever read like Stoicism and that kind of concept about what you can and can't control this sort of stuff, again, I'll recommend it to everyone who does any kind of like competitive sport or anything like this, because again, it's good to sort of like mentally manage certain things. And with this, there's a segment in there where Marcus sort of journals about basically doing good deeds for just doing the good deed in itself. And then anything else is about anything else is a, a bonus. Like, for example, if I do you a favor, that's because I wanted to do you a favor, not because I wanted the one reciprocated. And when I say with yeah. this, again, you're doing what you're doing for you in that in its own instance and any other recognition anything else is all just ancillary it's all bonus it's just oh well that's a nice thing to yeah. do full stop and again i feel like a lot of this comes from that higher purpose not so much in like a pious religious sense but more so okay again like you said full stop at the start it's about the career it's about the ufc it's about getting there your next amateur mm-hmm. fight you know it's a big deal but like you know it's not the point yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hope. I mean, oh yeah. Hopefully, my next amateur fight in the grand scheme of things will be nothing in terms of my career. Mm. But right now, it means a lot to me. Exactly, and having that overall perspective is what keeps you progressing, but also keeps your feet on the ground, and also that happy medium. And again, you see your you're on the road. You see the end. You see where you could go instead of just seeing you know the next turning. You don't really understand your perspective. And again, it makes so much fucking difference. Yeah. Um, Really appreciate your time today, my friend. Social media, where can people find you? Even though you don't post there. Uh, yeah, when when I force myself to post, you can find me at Teddy Stringer. Nice and easy. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Dan. It's uh, It's been a good podcast, <laughs> lots of nice tangents and stuff. Uh, it's been good fun. I really enjoyed it, mate. Be sure to check out our sponsors, English Hypnotist. Anyone who wants help with their mental management regards of like business fighting again the stuff we've sort of talked about here self-sabotage is something i've been a victim of and a lot of people have again it's being able to have these conversations and richard hart the guy who runs it top bloke really good it helps a lot of fighters including bellator's tim wilde and again top boy um fisticuffs podcast rash guards and shorts are available be sure to let me your boy now get an order out to you and it's all good and we 